We are the men who. I think the legacy I want to leave is as long as I've improved people's lives. There's a really interesting line from Make Tiny Changes, you know, from Frightened Rabbit from Scott Hutchinson's, you know, line in that song, Make Tiny Changes on Earth. I, I think that's resonated with me since I heard the line because that's kind of where I'm at, is, is that I, I don't mind if it's through quizzes. As long as people are hearing those questions and coming together, and if I've left a business behind, say, that keeps doing that, or even I've just helped more people do, do that, then I'm quite happy. For me, I get to, to, to live that legacy now because I get to do exactly what I want to be doing, which is make people's lives just that little bit happier by asking a few questions, getting them discussing, getting them chatting. You know, that's the, that for me is, is the real joy in, in, in life. Welcome to The Men Who Talk, the men's mental well-being podcast brought to you by The Men Who. The Men Who is a men's collective for actively maintaining positive mental well-being. With The Men Who, men have the opportunity to talk, listen, support, care for, and help themselves and each other build meaningful connections in person, online, and together. We've been running men's talking circles in Edinburgh and beyond since 2019, but here we're bringing the conversation to you, exploring and sharing our experiences relating to men's mental well-being. Each episode you'll hear from our trustees, members, inspirational guests, and people we've met on our journey so far on how they're learning to actively manage their minds. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. Join us on this lifelong journey. We are the men who, and welcome to the men who talk. Hello everyone, it's John from the men who here and welcome to episode four of the men who talk. Before we get into today's conversation, we'd just like to say a huge thank you to everyone that's tuned in, supported and shared the podcast so far. The response has been absolutely phenomenal and it gives us all at the men who the courage to keep talking as we know it's making a difference for men and women across our community of listeners. If you've not had a chance yet, I'd invite you to head back to last week's episode and hear from the incomparable Cameron Murdoch on how to live your legacy and understand the nature of choice that we all have in our lives to shape our experiences, legacies and well-being for the better. Today we're joined by Andrew Wildgoose, the founder of Scotland's favourite pub quiz company, Goose's Quizzes. Now, the nature of men's mental well-being and pub quizzes may not seem overly obvious to most, but what Andrew shares with us in this episode is a lesson on how to persevere, both mentally and in business, through uncertainty, pressure and panic. Those familiar with Goose's Quizzes will remember their unrelenting commitment to helping people in the UK and internationally through the coronavirus pandemic. Their nightly online quizzes became stuff of legend and a genuine community lifeline for thousands. But what few people saw was what went on behind the scenes. From the moment the UK government announced the total shutdown of pubs and entertainment venues, to the need to keep a talented and hard-working team of people employed, motivated and supported, Andrew faced daily pressure that had no respect for his personal, professional or mental well-being. From a personal perspective, I can still remember sitting across the kitchen table from Andrew on the night that the shutdown was announced as he tried to digest and understand what this meant for the business that he and his team had spent over a decade building together. And I was able to offer nothing by way of support or guidance at what was a unique and difficult time for us all. 
But in a way, I hope this conversation represents something of a catharsis, sitting here just over two years on, knowing that the outcome from that night was a positive one. Ultimately, however, this conversation is a lesson. It's a lesson in the very human art of perseverance, even when things you've worked for your whole life are falling to the floor. Let us take you on a journey, from the depths of despair to the heights of royal recognition, and explore what strength we each have within us to keep moving forward, even through the harshest of conditions. For now, thank you once again for tuning in to The Men Who Talk. Enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast, or get in touch with us on Instagram at themenwho underscore if you'd like to join the conversation. So without further ado, here's Goose. Andrew Wild Goose, better known to most of us as Goose, a very, very warm welcome to the Men Who Talk podcast. How are you, man? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks very much for having me. It is, it is a pleasure to have you on. You have been with uh, with the Men Who for a good good few years now on this journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel it sometimes a little bit in the in the, the sort of shadows. I'm a lurker, I think, more than a than a, an active participant a lot of the time. But uh, definitely enjoying my lurking life alongside it. So yeah, it's been great. Well, listen, mate. Whether you are a lurker or not, you are um, you're a very valued part of our community, and and particularly today, the the story that we're going to bring to life. And in, in some sense, I suppose we're going to paint you as a bit of a hero of the pandemic. Is that how you look at yourself these days? Oh yeah, honestly, just like knight in shining armor. Every time I wake up, I think, yeah, pull the sword. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm very much um, I think more a survivor of the pandemic, uh, which I think everyone, hopefully, you know, who's listening, is. Uh, but in a lot of ways i think things have fell in quite a a fortuitous way for me in some points but there's definitely been hard times as well so yeah it's it's i don't like looking at it being like oh yeah that was like a really good time because it definitely was uh, it had its hard times going through it as well yeah well look mate we're here to explore all of that the good bits the bad bits and everything in between um and i suppose knight in shining armor isn't too far off the truth and we'll come on to that um which was the kind of the outcome of <laughs> your uh your hard work along with your team but look let's let's leave that for a few minutes for the listeners to chew on um goose i'm gonna call you goose uh before we get into the good bits um tell us who you are tell us what your background is so yeah my name is goose right well my actual name is andrew wild goose um so that's why everyone calls me goose and um for the past 11 years i have uh, been running goose's quizzes which is a quiz company that runs across scotland um and virtually, I suppose, across the world. Um, and we run weekly pub quizzes in pubs um, and have a lot of questions that we ask in those pubs and have a lot of hosts that run those quizzes. Uh, and I've been running that, yeah, like for the past 11 years, which has been, yeah, really, really good fun, actually. Um, I started it just when I left uni, or was actually, was, I, was, I was still studying when I, when I started it because I couldn't work in the pub anymore. And so I got asked to do the, the quiz instead. And I said, yeah, I'm keen for that. So... Started the, the the pub quiz and it was awful, like really, really tragically bad. Like I think we had the first week, I think we had about four teams. The week after, there was about ten teams, which is really exciting. That's incredible growth. Yeah, it was at that point, um, and and even at that point, the ten teams were like, "This is rubbish," and I was like, "Yes, it is." And I'm well aware, um, but then from what I was studying, I was studying an interaction design masters, which ended up really being more about service design in my eyes or in every, everyone's eyes, because all I really am about is people, which we'll allude to more in this in this podcast. But really, all I really care about is people. Um, in fact, it's been clear since I was really young that's been my big drive and always been my kind of focus. So 
um, what I started doing was applying what I was learning in the masters to my um, my pub quiz. And so it was a week, one, once a week pub quiz on a Wednesday night at nine o'clock um, at the Golf Tavern, if anyone knows it in Edinburgh. Legend, so, legendary pub. Yeah, yeah. I don't run it there anymore, but the guy does run it his class. So yeah. it's like, it's all good. Um, and so, yeah, I set up sort of going about how I could could apply what I was learning in my master's to this pub quiz company or to this pub one pub quiz and then realized that um, the things that I could do to help people have a better night were, were there was quite a lot of things I could do to help people have a better night uh, and, and and how I structured the format the questions the way that I presented it the way I did everything I don't really have much of an issue with a microphone you know I, I, I like the sound of my own voice obviously I really don't like the sound of my own voice actually I'm hearing <laughs> it right now and I'm like oh no um, but yeah it, it's it, that then became a bigger thing so because that that quiz became really big and it was like 40 teams a week and upstairs downstairs in the golf tavern and, and fully like booked out completely then other venues started coming to me and now we have about 30 venues a week that we run quizzes in before the pandemic we're about 50 so and we do a load of like corporate and charity and now it's like a proper company which is weird because um, all i ever wanted to do was just like enjoy my time in the pub and help other people enjoy it and i think it was through that realization how much i enjoy other people having a good time yeah. and that was definitely the, the stage i got to so yeah that's a little overview of like my business i suppose we're, I, 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 badly in some ways i tie very much myself into my business and together because it is a lifestyle business you know it's a it's a business of the thing i love to do and i've just made it my business and thankfully it's something i can do for my life so yeah well i think <clears throat> i think that's something we'll come on to in this conversation but for me that is evidently part of the company's success is that it's so closely tied to your personality what you love you being a sort of gregarious outgoing person and people gravitate towards that i remember in the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with mark miller from the blue balls yeah edinburgh blue balls is it's it's like it's six months old eight months old maybe um but the growth there has been phenomenal and the way it's captured hearts and minds and balls as i said has been phenomenal <laughs> and part of that success as a relative outsider for me to see is because mark has invested himself in that brand um yeah if you want to call it a brand but certainly that enterprise and and people love that i think they gravitate towards that totally i think it's I, sometimes i hate that i call it goose's quizzes because it feels very like egotistical to say oh it's my it's my quiz company and it's my quizzes because i'm not at, at this stage i'm very much like it's the format that i like and and it, well not that i like that i've tested works for the most amount of people and it's it's very much about building a, a, a sort of fabric of, of, of good work together, you know, um, with the host being a big part of it, the questions being a big part of it, and then all the people that come along making it a really good thing, the venues got on board. But in saying that, I think it does take excitement and it does take somebody to actually push that forward. And someone's passion definitely pushes for faster than, than just a sort of nice company ethos, you know? <laughs> like... Entirely, entirely. Um <clears throat> I can't, I can't go anywhere further into the conversation without bringing up my favourite anecdote about our friendship, which, to be honest, is an anecdote that only I really laugh at and you've heard so many times, is we were introduced through your now wife, um, mm -hmm. a very, very good friend of mine and, and my wife's. And when she came to us the first time and she said, oh, I'm seeing this guy and his surname is Wild Goose and he owns a pub quiz company, I thought, she's not seeing anyone, that's <laughs> a joke. <laughs> but then I met you and, you know, in that first conversation we had, uh, it was one of those ones where I, I was like, do you know, I can see exactly why this guy has chosen that vocation. I can see exactly why he's been successful. And again, I remember coming away from that thinking, I think we'll be friends for a long, long time. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I know exactly the conversation you're talking about. And it's so funny to think that um, how quickly it, it became a very easy friendship. And, and, and for me, that's a really, and, and, and actually alongside that, because I was sort of thinking it before I was coming to the podcast, I was like, oh, I need to think about sort of what to say and how to think about how we met and all this kind of sort of stuff. Not that I'm saying it's all about you or all about, well, all about me. <laughs> it's all about me, but you know, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the, the foundation of going to something like the men's men who um, early in the time that we met was, was foundational. You know, it was a sort of early core. I mean, we were hanging out the other day and having a barbecue and talking about how we used to dissect whatever we talked about. And it was sort of like, John said this and I said this and, and, our, and our respective partners were like, oh, that's really interesting. Or I didn't think you would say that or whatever it was. And suddenly we had the second you know, hour or two of kind of extra share afterwards mm-hmm. of we shared these things and we thought it was really interesting. Someone gave up a really interesting perspective on this. And it's like, oh, yeah, we really did think about that. Yeah. And suddenly we had like a second group after the first group, which yeah. became, a, well, became Monday Club, which, which, which is where our, our sort of friendship became you know very much um embedded yeah. and then john was one of my groomsmen at my wedding so uh it was great to have to have you there and to, to play some mini golf and the, the morning of putting sorry putting, putting it was in andrews putting <clears throat> um yeah look this so this plays to something which is very close to all of our hearts who are involved with the men who in groups like this is um having that element of commonality in your life or that level or just um it removes any need to, to sort of find out about each other because you instinctively know that you both have shared values or shared challenges that you want to work through, even if you don't necessarily know what that is. And I think that is, is fundamental to forming relationships. And what you said there about, you know, we'd come away from these circles um, and you and I would continue to talk about them. That's that place, this half-life concept that I have about things like talking circles is that um, the, the value of it whether you're talking about it, thinking about it, or acting out, but acting out what you've learned in that session, that's a long time after the hour or the ninety minutes of that actual circle is yeah. up. Uh, so, so I think the way you've described that is is brilliant. And funnily enough, my kitchen table where all these conversations happened is is kind of a perfect segue into the first part of our conversation, which is really all about your your well being experiences. Um, something I remember very very vividly about the pandemic, and I want you to bring this to life for us later if you're comfortable, is sitting across the kitchen table from you on the day that the government shut pubs and entertainment venues across the country and effectively pulled the carpet out from under your business, your feet, your livelihood. Um, And I I can still remember that. And I still remember not being able to offer you any meaningful advice in that moment. I just had to sit and listen. But that is a precursor to your, your wider journey with mental well-being. What does, what does the phrase or the concept mental well-being mean to you as a man? Yeah, I, I was interested. Obviously, I, I saw the, I've heard the, heard the podcast already, and I have to say, I really enjoyed it so far. Enjoyed everyone that's been on it so far. Um, it was nice to hear Joe chatting away at the start again, which was it felt like just sitting around again at the the the, the, the circle. Um, for me, mental well being, I think, is something I've I've it's been very much at the forefront from when I was quite young. Um, from when I was very young, or not very young, I was I was about twelve. I was diagnosed with with um, um, post-traumatic stress disorder so it's it's something that i knew I, i've known of you know there there is the society which is the physical and what everyone can say is like once you get punched and it bruises and then the heels is over but once you get mentally affected it's something that will definitely it can sit with you for you know, your whole life quite easily if you don't actually let like you don't do something about it or work to actually 
like heal that bruise at times. You know, it can really affect everything in your life or a big chunk of your life. So I knew mental well-being was something I, I, I had to kind of, I was forced to focus on probably from an earlier age than maybe I would have, <laughs> most people might, might have to. Um, and something I think I very much have a kind of up and down relationship with. Sometimes I ignore it because it feels easier to ignore it and stress and things like that get in the way or the job. Um, and sometimes I'm really like on it and know that if I take good care of myself mentally, everything, my whole perspective on everything just is so much better and so much more like rational in that sense. You know, there's not that kind of irrational anxiety that sits there the whole time, which is my, one of my big issues is that anxiety of I say something like that was awful, like everything about that was wrong <laughs> and everything I've done here is wrong. And which is such an irrational feeling, you know, most of the time, you know, obviously sometimes I do say stupid things if you listen to my podcast. And so, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's for me, that, that phrase is something I maybe not always been that phrase to me, but like mental health, mental well-being is something I've had to kind of have it to some level at the forefront of my mind for a long time. Um, you know, maybe not always at the forefront, but it's always been there. and um which sometimes i wish it wasn't there but i think like you've alluded to the the, the the pandemic has brought with itself a huge amount of challenges and you know how i dealt with them i think has definitely been formed out of how i dealt with previous things so that's really interesting that um <clears throat> that your past experiences of mental well-being managing your mind uh whether you realized it or not i suppose we're training for an ex exceptionally difficult circumstance that you find yourself in and I really want to understand throughout this conversation what it is that you were able to reach back into from your past and apply to that situation knowingly or not that, that sort of helped you through uncertainty through panic um, and helped you persevere to, to come out the other end um, but just sticking to, to your well-being practices you mentioned it's something you work on regularly it oscillates it goes up and down like it does for everybody when you're conscious of it what things are you doing daily or regularly to regulate your mental well-being so like i'm 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 very like anxiety is the word i think always sort of comes through with me i'm quite an anxious person but i think where that comes from is i'm always quite a switched on person i'm never i don't really switch off easily um you know particularly say when it comes to other people i'm always like to be around and and, and doing things I'm, I'm a people person in that way but i also like to be social i like to be out and about but i also don't switch off in the sense i don't stop thinking about whatever's going on so work or whatever problem i have at that point or something that's going on or family things or any you know all the different things i'll, I'll turn these things over in my head all the time um and i think what I learned or have allowed myself to do better is to rest, to actually switch off, to 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 find the things that that I can switch off with and not feel guilty. You know, you know yourself running a business. It's it's the toughest balance to strike that it is not doing something and then not feeling horrendous for not doing something for you know an hour even, <laughs> which and you sort of think to yourself, if I pushed really really hard, then I probably would be doing a lot better right now. But the answer is, no, you wouldn't. You'd actually just be burnt out and a husk you know, of a person, um, which I can definitely attest to over the lockdown time yeah. that I got that wrong too many times. Um, I mean, an annoyingly large amount of times I got that completely wrong um, for myself and my staff. Um, and, you know, that's where I think um, 
the learning and the sort of back and forth of it is that the sort of knee jerk for me is to always just work really hard and really focus and and not let my mind go on to other things and and, and stray away. Um, And actually what I've learned best is to say, I need to take a step back and whether it's just play some Xbox for a while or just really like power down, figure out what it is that powers me down, go for a walk. We got a dog recently and it's probably been the best thing I could have got. Um, because Bernie, little little black lab, beautiful little dog, <laughs> yeah, tried to eat my burgers the other day. <laughs> he had half a roll. It was good. It was, he, he, I've never seen the dog look so happy. So oh, my, my, so little, happy. my little two year old boy dropped half of his roll in the ground, and within seconds, it was it was away. <laughs> Inhaled. But I think I think both of them found it quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been great getting a dog. In fact, it was something I saw on an Instagram a while back, and it was you know. Uh, somebody about lifestyle and and, your, and wellness and saying best thing you do get a dog because it's you, you go out for walks it forces you to get up at a certain time it's sort of a whole list of things which sometimes you struggle to do for yourself but if it's for a little dog it's sort of like yeah now i have to do this like, i have to go out for a walk i have to take him i have to get him sorted out i have to be in a routine and that's been really really like beneficial for me um because it has does give me downtime it's like I'm, I'm really struggling with something on the on the computer or going through a load of like red tape nonsense you know and it's like but i have to just stand up and walk away from this right now and go for even a 10 minute walk and it's like this is so much better since i've sat back down and you know bernie's all relaxed on the sofa and i can be like hey, I'm, I'm ready to actually get back into work and and feel like i'm doing good work there's an immense amount of brain psychology and science behind um, stepping away from a problem and and not focusing on it, and your mind uh, has that incredible capability to keep working even though you're not aware of it. And this is something that I, I personally I've learned the hard way over a, um, my lifetime today, over my career today, is always having your foot on the pedal just leads to an empty tank. Mm. To to pick up a, a wonderful little phrase that I just made up in that moment there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I frequently go away, and actually my most valuable times in the day are not when I'm sitting at my computer in quotes, being productive, but it's actually when I'm taking a walk, going for a run, um, reading the paper, doing something else, those are my most valuable moments, even if I don't realise it, because like you've just said, when you come back to do the work, your brain's already worked out half the problem. Yeah. You've almost subconsciously, mentally rehearsed how to address this problem. In, in your eyes or in your mind, how would you sum up what it is that is happening in your head when you're not thinking about the problem or the the challenge in front of you. Right. Yeah. That it's probably it's a good question. By the way, really Thanks, good man. question. I think one of the things is, um, you know, that feeling of when you're looking at something. You know that that phrase of you can't see for the wood for the trees. You know, and I think often with problems you get to that stage where you've been totally engrossed in it and ingrained in it, and then. The amount of times I used to remember, especially during the pandemic when I was just too tired and too busy to like even function, you know, I was really struggling. I remember I had bags under my eyes that were like looked like shopping bags. It was ridiculous. Like I um, remember thinking afterwards, like a week after I'd solved the problem or done something at work, I'd be like, why did I not just check this? That seems so obvious. Like it's such an ob- I've done even to the point where I'd done work before, and I realized that I could have just reverted back to that, but I just hadn't even thought that that was what I could have done. And then what I realized is like, well, the, what, what I think you're doing when you're just working too hard and, and potentially too tired to be carrying on working in that way is you're just looking closer and closer and closer and you're, you're obscuring your field of view. And so I think what your brain is doing at the point when you take that rest and you, and you take a step back is 
reverting your perspective and saying, actually, can bring in different things here. And often even just the, the act of allowing yourself to take a step back, it's saying, oh, I've just seen, actually, there's other things I can bring into this solution where it's either remembering something else that you've done or thinking along the lines of um, someone else who knows something about it being able to reach out or it's almost like the working really hard on something for me is, is almost like a proud action you know it's an action of pride to say i'm gonna i'm gonna solve this because i'm like superman when it comes to this stuff and i'm a legend and i'm just gonna like sit down and i do quite a lot of programming stuff and it's like, i'm gonna program this all in one go and it's like no issues when actually that's, ne- that's never happened for me, like ever. So why do I ever think that it's going to happen this time? And actually all it does is cause me stress if I think it's going to happen. So I think the step away thing now gives me a chance to do a block of work, say, well, that's really interesting. That worked quite well or that didn't work very well. There's a problem I've got with that. And when I sit back down, it's like, yeah, I, I realise that this is, you know, something I can use for solving this problem or, or, or somebody I can talk to about solving this problem. The, the thing also i think it really gives it gives perspective of what's important in which part of the, the what you're doing um you know the amount of times i i go out with with thinking i'll do a hundred things and actually look at them and go oh, i really need to do about 10 of these things to make this properly okay and the other 90 are things that i would like to do at some point but are not essential right now and i'm just going to overload myself if i try and do all 100 things right now i can just do 10 Get, get them done really nicely and get them done really well and then come back to these other 90 things maybe at some point, you know? So that's what I think the breaks do for, for me often. So it feels like a very work-orientated <laughs> answer, but that's my where I'm at at the moment, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, the, 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 the underlying story that we are about to go into is is career-focused. It's, it's business-led and that's the context of this whole conversation. Um, but to come back to what you've just said, I completely agree. It is about perspective that is impossible to obtain when you are focusing on the detail of something. Mm. Um, for me, I've talked about this countless times, it, it's about creativity, right? And uh, yeah. the number of times I've been commissioned to do something so-called creative, sat down at my desk, thought, I could do this in my sleep. Um, <laughs> and then I sit down with my pen on the pad and I'm like, where do I even begin? I don't even know where to begin. And it's almost that pressure that you've allocated a certain amount of time You've been uh, asked to meet a certain brief um, in whatever form that is, but yet you, you have creative block or writer's block. You go and have a walk, you go and have a run, you don't even think about it. You just let the mind work. And particularly with creativity, in my experiences, you cannot find it, you cannot force it. It has to come to you. Yeah. And the trick for me is um, entering a mindset in your everyday life whereby you are open to opportunity open to creativity and just yeah. finding it in the most mundane things and actually if you look at a lot of what i do the artwork and things like that it's none of it is particularly complex but actually that's because i've been inspired by something very mundane I, like i think the thing is i always used to do the distinction between innovation and in- invention and innovations are much more um in my mind like interesting quality or, or interesting thing because innovation, you can use different things to put them together in a way that actually no one's done that before. Um, whereas invention, yeah, t- technically you come up with something brand new and it's like no one's ever done anything like this. But innovation is it feels more like bringing things together which haven't been brought together before. And art, I think, is often more linked towards innovation and design, you know, um, which 
like I say, you know, we're studying design as a master's. And so for so much of it is bringing together things which haven't been done before, which, which I so often think leads to a much, it's like almost like bringing harmony together. And you find that harmony again, you know, in whether it is putting together artwork or whether it's running an event that works really nicely or whatever it is, and you're bringing pieces together. And when they all sort of nicely fit, and it doesn't have to be complex. That's the interesting thing about, especially when I say the word innovation, but, you, you know, for art, for design, for all the things, for, for creative industry, anything creative, it doesn't have to be complex. It just, if it fits nicely, yeah. there is an aspect to that that you can look and sort of look back on it and be go, yes, I can, this sits well with me. And I think as soon as that happens, there's a kind of wash of, yeah, great. Like, that was fantastic. <laughs> this, it's a slight tangent on the podcast. We're now entering the kind of Creative Minds podcast. But, mm. um, but I, I do think it's important to the context of the conversation. Um, an increasingly valuable skill in this world, I think, is call it curation, right? The ability mm. to curate. I think we are now at a point in society and history whereby it is genuinely getting more difficult to invent because we have invented so much. Mm. Um, so, the, like you say, the, the the trick is to be able to to curate um, or or create or add value by composing things in different ways. And mm. you know, examples that stick out for me, you know, think about some of the world's most um, innovative companies tesla the car is nothing new the fact is run by a battery is new but the concept isn't new right mm. and, and there's examples that that was done 100 years ago just in a slightly different way the iphone when that came along telephones weren't new cameras weren't new um but someone put them together for the first time and that yeah. suddenly becomes a world-changing innovation yeah so i think that ability to innovate to curate um to to no, truly understand what it means to add value mm. to a product or a setting or a, a situation is um is is essential particularly for those who are listening of a, a creative mind and who for creativity is at the heart of their their mental well-being journey yeah yeah absolutely hey everyone we just want to say a huge thanks for tuning into this episode of The Men Who Talk and take a quick break from the conversation to remind you how you can access more information on our collective. Head to our website, www.themenwho.com, drop us an email at letstalkatthemenwho.com or check out our Instagram, at themenwho underscore, to see what we're up to. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. So why don't you join us on this lifelong journey? Thank you, and back to the show. Let's um, let's let's take a deep dive into Goose's quizzes because this is <laughs> this is the crux of the conversation, and what I I want to try and convey between us um, is a bit of a story, and if it's not too grand, also a lesson on how to persevere through panic, through pain, through uncertainty. Mm. Um, when the world around you that you have built for a long time is falling apart. Can you take us back to those days whereby lockdown was becoming a reality, where it was announced that the bedrock of your business was no longer viable? How did that come about? How did you feel? And what was going through your head at that time about your future? Yeah, I mean, it was awful. Like, I mean, in no uncertain terms, awful. So it's hard to think back about how uh, some people I, I suppose don't remember exactly as well how the pandemic all came about or not even the pandemic the the lockdowns came about because it was quite different the pandemic to the lockdowns and, and what was enforced um pandemic was around for for a few months in fact we did a podcast when the pandemic was 
kicking off effectively. We did. And and I remember we had to edit out in our podcast stuff that we talked about with the pandemic because we just had no concept of how big it was going to get. Like yeah. we had at that point we had no idea. And that was only a few weeks before lockdown really happened. So it was the 16th of March, um, Boris made an announcement on the at about five o'clock that it wasn't that the pubs were closed. It was that he was saying we shouldn't go to social gatherings. Um, so the pubs had no support at that point. Um, and it wasn't until the Friday afterwards. So that was a Monday. It wasn't until the Friday that there was something announced about pubs basically shutting. And that was the, then getting support. Um, and even at that point, it wasn't huge. But we had been quite planned. So the Friday before that, we had realized that something was going to come along. And we had to realize what would happen if all the pubs shut and our income then dried up. Um, uh, so we, we had a meeting on the Friday and then we ended up having a meeting on the Monday morning as well because um, I got panicked over the weekend and said, we're going to have to figure out something here. Uh, so the Monday we kind of worked feverishly and then we went and did interviews in Glasgow because Glasgow, our quizzes in Glasgow were going so so busy and getting so many that we needed to get another host. So we interviewed about eight people over the day um, while this is all sort of going on. So in between interviews, we were seeing updates and sort of, oh, there might be an announcement tonight, all this kind of side of stuff. Um, and then come uh, the drive home from Glasgow and in, uh, about five o'clock and we were getting the news through that there'd been an announcement and they're, we're going to have to cancel quizzes. Um, and so we cancelled nine quizzes on the Monday night um, to different, differing levels of okayness. <laughs> some people were fine, some people were a bit annoyed and some people were really angry about it, which was quite hard to take actually. Um, and then, so from then, from that Monday the 16th, we had no income. Uh, we had cancelled every quiz for the rest of the week, uh, and I didn't know what we were going to do, apart from the fact we had said, let's go online. <laughs> um, we made a decision to go online, um, which now seems like, oh, that's so obvious, everyone went online. But at that point, not many people were doing it, and no one really thought of it you know, straight away. So we set up on Twitch, which is, uh, for people who don't know, it's, it's a bit like YouTube, but it's a sort of gaming platform for, for people showing games. And now it's become a lot more a broader platform. Um, I think because of us, you know, being trendsetters on there. <laughs> and the 17th of March, um, what was that, 2020? 2020. 2020. Wow, that's so long ago. <laughs> um, uh, 2020, we started running pub quizzes online, did 50 questions, and uh, two of us sat, and we made a decision that we would always sit two of us um, behind the desk, because, uh, or potentially, well, for quite a long time it was virtual, um, so is that there would be, we knew there would be people at home who were on their own. Um, and we'd already heard that there was people who uh, hadn't, you know, it came to our quizzes and they would come on their own or they were very, that was very much where they met. But a lot of people lived on their own and we realised there's going to be tons of people on their own here and that was going to be awful. Um, so we said we want to run a quiz with two people on it all, at all times so they can get involved in the chat. Twitch is very good for chat, like live. So we always wanted to like, make sure we were talking back and forth with them. So if they were sending things in, we would like show up on the screen and all this. And so we had a WhatsApp number and everything. So this just then grew arms and legs from there. <laughs> and we started on the first night and we sort of said, well, we'll just carry on. And then on the, the third night, it got picked up by uh, Edinburgh Live. And then on the, the fourth night, it got picked up by Unilad. And then it got picked up by the BBC. And then we, uh, so I picked up as in like, you know, articles were written about it all. We were in like Wired magazine and all that stuff. Um, and by the weekend we had like a thousand teams taking part more than a thousand teams taking part on each night and so yeah that kicked off our lockdown we were asking for help basically to keep our company running 
um, which we got at the start. It was great. So we basically survived, which was awesome. Um, now, at that stage, <laughs> we're talking about like you know the twenty second of March. Um, no one knew how long this lockdown was going to go on for. No one knew where we were going to be at. We said we were doing it every night. We had a team of five of us that was pretty easy to do that with. Furlough had come out by this point, so we furloughed all our hosts. And then we started running a lot of corporate quizzes online, which all went really nicely. Um, and, and that was us at that point. But then it, it sort of... I mean, the emotion... I suppose what I've just done here is I've explained what we did. But the emotion that went behind that, like, I struggle to, to even... like. You mentioned a part earlier there where I, it's like it was a Monday, so we came and did Monday Club. We we I just cancelled all my quizzes. Um, Alice knew that my wife knew that well, at that point was my fiance knew that, that obviously this is a really dire situation and came and picked me up and then we went over to 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 here actually where we're recording the podcast now. And I was in bits like and and no no word of a lie, I was probably holding back tears that whole night because it was like an absolutely. Like it was, it was dire. Didn't know what to do, um, and so, like, I, I, I can't quite encapsulate the emotion. I think it was the feeling of for for years. It was always I was doing something kind of stupid with my life. Not that I was doing something stupid, but in some ways, I quite liked the thought I was doing something stupid, and it was a little bit different to a lot of people. And um, and then I got people to join me on that. That you know, have. A set of full time staff that, that do this with me. So it's really hard to talk about the, the emotion side of it because I think, in some ways, I've, I've I've pushed that down a little bit because I just don't think I could. It's hard to think about now, still, to think about how um, well we were doing at that point in the business and how little I had to think about, you know, anything to do with like money or anything like that because everything we did, everything we touched, and sort of. T- turned to gold you know it was a situation where we just started new quizzes and it was really busy and <laughs> it was all like no problems and uh and now it's, it's it's a struggle and it's tough um you know like everyone a lot of people are struggling at the moment and i totally get that um that feeling from from the industry especially hospitality um so it was that night that monday the 7th monday the 16th um we came here and i was like in bits basically and i think you're probably right when you said you couldn't say anything because i don't know who i would have been able to hear to to have had any kind of effect on me other than just me being deeply sad um i felt like i'd let down a team of people um because i'd invited them to come on this journey and for some reason this journey was sort of being pushed to an end or, or, or cut to an end without any of my doing you know none of it was my under my control and uh Felt really helpless, I think. And I remember actually, so went home after, and I think I had a few beers here, and then went home uh, and sat down, and Alice went to bed, and I had a whiskey, and just sat and cried. Like, just cried my eyes out. Like, just cried for like an hour, just straight, like tears flooding out of my eyes, because I was just like, lost it. I've lost the business. It's over. And worked for that, that point, like close to nine years on a business that is now just been flushed away in one night and i was just like it was over and i, I it's hard thinking even about it now because I, I don't think i let myself think about that very often because it means a lot to me the business like it really does um because it is my my opportunity to like work with people and do something that i think does a really g- good thing for people in their week and so 
the fact that then what went into lockdown and what we got out of lockdown, I think, is the saving grace in all of it. Um, I feel like I've talked for a lot about, about the business and, and how it went, but it, it does feel like it's worth giving that context to, to, to understand that that first night was horrendous. And that week was pretty horrendous because even though it was growing really fast, the business side of it, I was sitting there being like, I don't know how we're going to survive this. And I, I don't know how we're going to keep staff on. I don't know how we're going to do anything like this. So there was this really odd mix of like doing a thousand team quizzes in a night and writing systems for how we can mark that as quickly as we can and, mm-hmm. you know, getting the right questions and, and all the technical aspect. We had a computer crash in that time and, and blow up on the stream. So like as in we were running the stream and then the computer just stopped working. Like a little <laughs> bit of smoke came out the side of it. And it was like, oh. It's like cartoons. Yeah, yeah. So someone really nicely bought us a computer. Oh, wow. Um, one of my staff moved into the flat with me um, so that, that we could um, – then become a home for yeah. the first lockdown. And so he moved in and we did every um, quiz together effectively for the first. And so we ran every night over lockdown. I mean, that was, that was the long and short of all the story, long story. <laughs> we ran every night on Twitch over lockdown and we ran quizzes for people all over the world. One of the nicest things we saw was couples who were separated by the lockdown so we had couples who were in america and germany and couples who were in ireland and america and loads of different places and then the, the quiz was the thing they did every night together and over virtual they would do the quiz together and it was just like this is the nicest thing to see you yeah know? it was really really pleasing to, to get those kind of experiences out of it you've in in a relatively short space of time taking us on a, a real up and down journey there and <laughs> you know in a sense that a lot of us lived that with you um mm. you know i had looking back now and seeing how you came through it i i almost want to call it, call it a privilege that i was able to sit there with you at that moment on the 16th of march 2020 even though it was a horrible moment for you and to a lesser extent it was a horrible moment for me because i just i just did not I just did not not know how to act. I didn't know how to comfort you as a friend, and mm. neither did Alice, your now wife. Neither did my wife, Caitlin. And um, that was it was an extremely poignant moment. But um, there's so much to unpick here. I mean, I want I want to explore how your emotions oscillated over that time. I want to explore how you met the challenge of keeping your a, a team that you obviously cherish, um, motivated, supported. How do you kept them mentally well? The role that this played in community the the stories you brought about how it brought people together and and again kept them sort of engaged when they physically couldn't be together and then how that led to your recognition which we'll we'll definitely come on to because it's it's a beautiful midpoint to to a, a, a tough story um if i can can i take you back to that night where we sat here yeah yeah did you think did you think you'd have a future in this no i there was, there's always, I, you know, I think there's always that people, I understand why people use the analogy of like the, the devil and the angel and that kind of side of stuff on your shoulder. And, and within your mentality, I think there's always a flip-flop of kind of one thing saying this and one thing saying that. And the overwhelming thing was saying, um, this is over. Like, you, you don't have a future here and there's not going to be a future here. Like, you run a business where you basically just cut off all your money. Like every, and and you're not even in a business that's very well looked after naturally in an industry that's looked after very well naturally hospitality is seen as almost like a the, the, the sort of bad brother of like you know of of the, the gleaming sort of hotel industry and things like that i mean hospitality i know it's all within that but you know like pubs and bars aren't seen very nicely and so 
the fact that I'm in the service of those industries, it's like, this is awful. Like, it's going to be awful. Um, and so I was quite aware. But there was this little glimmer, I think, at the back that I do have a bit of fight in me. I mean, I've obviously not got to this stage if it hadn't been for a little bit of stubbornness, a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of just knowing that what I wanted to do was still do what what we always wanted to do. So in the meeting on the Monday morning with the team meeting, so that was with all all the staff. Um, you know, um, we have a, a, a Glasgow area manager, so it was virtual as well. Sitting around a little boardroom table where we did the podcast when you came on it, <laughs> and I remember saying to them, "It's like the it's business as usual now. It is because and our business is to help people have a good time. That's that's what we do. You know, we're not here to." make money we're not here to um become big profiteers i don't want to be some like nonsense like skywriting everyone loves it i want people to have a good time if they interact with us and i think that's why there was always a little bit in the part back in my mind where it's like no we're do we're still going to do that like we're still going to do that no matter what the cost is we're doing that we've got a huge amount of assets sitting here we've got talents in bunches and why are we not doing that and so mm-hmm. i think there was an aspect that i was still thinking to myself yeah like we're gonna do something it's just figuring out what that something was <laughs> and how it was gonna go so that's I, I think you could i think you could quite comfortably hold your own in a <clears throat> let's just call it a business podcast and talk about the art of pivoting which became a, a very topical word about how you did that so successfully and you've already said how you know within uh, within days it was picked up by um, national media as a good news story at the very outset of the pandemic and that is completely to your credit and your team's credit for doing that. Not a lot of us would have had that in us. We, you, you mentioned there there was a glimmer yeah. amongst the mire um, and you were able to reach in and find some sort of resolve. Um, do you think that adversity you'd faced in the past, be it mental or otherwise, it helped you in that moment, yeah, unknowingly. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Hundred percent. It was. It always. There's always a thing where. I think there's always an understanding, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression or or whatever the mental sort of ailment that I, I know I've been through in the past. There's always this kind of understanding that it will pass. Like, I, I heard you saying one of the other podcasts, this too shall pass, and I couldn't agree more. There's always an understanding that you'll still keep living, you know, it's still going to keep going, and it's just understanding what that, that thing that you're sort of not even pushing towards, but even sometimes is pulling you towards it, you know? I, I, I'm drawn towards making people happy. Like, it, I'll always draw myself towards that kind of situation so i'll always be the one starting the games in in a in a you know a night out or whatever or i'll always be the one in the rugby club that that they'll set strike up a song or whatever it is because those things i know make people happy Mm -hmm. or help make people happy um and i think that glimmer for me is something that was really important to um hold on to and 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 since then has shown to be probably the most important thing so a long time ago i used to run a quiz it was my second quiz i ever ran or sorry second venue i ever ran it was i only had about four quizzes at this point um so i was probably only about two years into running quizzes and um at that point i had no concept of of like 
this it wasn't really a proper business it was just like something i did <laughs> i ran quizzes in the evening uh, and did side jobs during the day to get a bit more money and it was it was nothing um but it didn't seem very much at the time um so i uh there was a guy that came along to the quiz every week um and he was he was quite an interesting guy um and he um had a group of people that they all did the quiz with um and i knew quite a few of them through other means as well and then uh after one new year they didn't he didn't turn up uh and i and the friends hadn't turned up either and a week after that i got a message um from one of the friends saying he'd actually taken his life and and and, and it really hit me quite hard i think even just because I hadn't really been around suicide to any level at that point, um, and I, and I knew him quite well just through the quizzes. Um, I found it really difficult, but he said in the same message, the friend said they'd actually like you to do a quiz at the wake, and I was um, at the sort of celebration of his life, uh, and I was sort of a little bit taken aback, um, but also was like that's a real honour, and I went to this wake really not sure how I was going to deal with it and and sort of i also had to write a doctor who round which was i, I don't watch doctor who and <laughs> i found it really difficult to write a round for a load of aficionados about doctor who so so i went to this wake ran this quiz and then i hear stories across that night of how important the quiz was to him in his his life his week um it was the time that he got to actually spend time with other people and these friends all were really good friends with this quiz there every week that they went to and I suddenly had this moment that I couldn't see people who came to the quiz in the same light anymore not them saying they're all lost souls or anything like that or, or, or all people that are at risk but what I did see was it offers a really big part to people that they can be communal it's something where the pub I think was originally designed for you know it's a public house it's a place for people to come together and do things which are public social interesting you know find out about their friends, talk, chat, have a good time. And it's something that I think has been lost a little bit in that kind of drinking culture of drink as much as you can. And, and then by the end of the night, you're just falling out of the place. Which don't get me wrong, can be fun. Like, but it's, um, it's, it's something that I think that glimmer that we were talking about was completely solidified for me in that situation that many, that many years ago, that it can only be little things that are going on but it's big things to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and when the glimmer was there and that, that, that night on the 16th, it was, it, the glimmer was, we, we still have to help people here. Like we still have to do something to help. And no matter if it's a small thing, like we're just running quizzes for free, it's something, you know, <laughs> it's going to be something. So I think that was where I was at. You've told me that story before and it, it never loses its power when you tell it because it, it makes clear for a lot of people the, the something that's otherwise unobvious you know what role do things like pub quizzes play in people's life and to an by an extension what role do they play in people's well-being i mean that is not obvious when you just first hear it but then you sit and think about it and you hear stories like that and you think we the, we all know that um community is uh one of the pillars if not the pillar in positive mental well-being right mm. um and what you've just described is a perfect example of how things like pub quizzes, the role they play in, in people's life and to the point where that can, that can almost be part of someone's legacy. Mm. Um, like we talked about last week in the last yeah. episode with Cameron, it's, it's a good bridge into the, the community role that the quizzes played online during the pandemic. So community for everybody was obliterated in yeah. its traditional sense. It just yeah. did not exist anymore. And we all had to find ways um, of, of bringing that back into our lives. You brought that to people. 
Um, mm. Talk to me about talk to me about the the power of the community that you created in that period of time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was something where when we sat down and designed what we were going to do for the for the quiz was to say, well, how are we how are we going to make it as much like a pub quiz in a pub as possible? So we we end up writing out all the factors that were in a pub quiz normally, and 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 added in factors like there's going to be a lack of community here. Like there's going to be a lack of physical in contact community in, in pubs. And so we need to think about how we're going to replicate this and actually how we're going to amplify it for a community of people who are online doing this. And so what ended up happening was we made a list of things like, you know, people shout out answers or people do funny team names or, you know, people um, will at the, the venue be sharing things like their pictures on their phone or showing each other reels or, or all these different things. Reels don't think was a big thing at that point. But, um, you know, that the, the was, there was a list of things that we had to say, well, what is a pub quiz? And then how do we take this online? How do we amplify the things that we want to, to make sure it does feel like community? And we came up with a sort of set of things that we did. Um, taking onto Twitch was important because the chat feature was really, really good at that point um, to make sure that people could chat quickly with us and we could respond quickly and, and get involved in conversation. How we actually ran the quiz, we ran it in 10, 10 questions per round. Um, and then at the end, we always had an opinion question, um, which was just for people to get their teeth into yeah. and, and discuss, because then the chat would go crazy. And then we would, the, the night after, show the results of the opinion question from the night before. So it was stupid things like, you know, we'd talk about, because obviously we had about two hours to fill. Usually we talked for two hours of just nonsense between the quizzes, mm. which some people didn't like, and we understood that. But the people who we were trying to reach were the people who did like it, because they were the people who needed that, you know, needed a little bit of, comfort at home needed a bit of time you know the other thing we thought about quite a lot about and this is a slight aside was people who were in bad situations you know like people who were in situations where they maybe were living with somebody they didn't like or it wasn't good and the, the amount of people we, that wrote through to us and said actually they think we, we saved their marriage and things like that where it's like that's crazy to hear that like a quiz can do that but <laughs> i think as part of the the beauty of the story is that you you know some people have some people have told you what in what ways you helped them the beauty of it is you will never really know how many people and in what ways you actually help them. Yeah, I, I think it is a weird... I mean, I still get people come up to, to me. I think it happened when we were at the rugby a while back and it's like... It's so bad going to the rugby with you because everyone comes up and says <laughs> hi and I'm like, I'm like your little son, like just tagging along in the background. <laughs> a foot shorter and like crap beard. <laughs> Aye, look at me right now. It's uh, such, such a good beard that's going on here. Yeah, two good beards. Um, but, you know, it, it's really nice hearing those things from people. But I think what... Is nice. In some ways, nicer for me is that we designed that to happen. Like we designed it in a way that was an open platform and and, and put the fodder out there, just like we do with the quizzes. The quizzes aren't there for people to look at me and say, "Isn't he so funny and entertaining?" And it's like it's amazing that all his puns and jokes land every time. Do they? Which they don't. They don't. No. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. No pun has ever landed. <laughs> um, but you know, it's there to facilitate other people to have a good time. Yeah. And what we were really having to try and fabricate to some extent was people to join us for a good time in that one um which was a little bit more odd, odd for us to actually have to do but i suppose with the podcast we've been running for a while it, it worked quite nicely and we were easy to eased into it so the topics of conversation just became i mean our most hot topic topic of conversation for a long time was how do you say that the the, the sport shot putt which is <laughs> good question shot putt yeah, but most people say shot put. Shot put. Yeah, uh, which will cause controversy. And yeah. so that's kind of what we're about, is causing minimal nonsense controversy, yeah. which wasn't about the pandemic. So. I, I love the fact that you can sit here and say you that's how you designed it. And I think 
a lot of people would sit there and think mm, that sounds a bit big-headed but i knowing you and knowing your team um it's so nice to hear that you sat down and designed it that way and that's the way it came to fruition because you've used your experience of real life quizzes and and like you said different vocations and brought it into that scenario and it worked yeah no it's it's felt really uh uh, it's, it's nice and at, the, and at the heart of it and really I know we have to get back because this is getting very close to a business uh, overview um, it, it was about people you know it all comes out you know my, my background is service design um, and that's very much where I would say I was at I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, in some ways a UX designer but with people you know yeah. a lot more uh, more like events rather than than websites because um, I'm terrible at it as well <laughs> but it's very much about how people are. That story about you know, you know the person um, that, that committed suicide, it, it, it always brings it back to me because it's like, no, people are what it's about. You know, the, the friends that he had at, at that at that quiz, and they would come regularly. That was a people thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was. It doesn't matter how entertaining I am or whatever. It doesn't matter all these things. What matters is he had a group of people that he he he, he was around that. And we gave them, we facilitated something for them to be doing, you know, a reason for them to be coming together more regularly because mm-hmm. it's so hard these days, even just to say, you know, to even get a group of people together, not just for, it's just nice to be together, you know, it's like, there has it, to be a reason. Yeah, yeah. And our reason is, is quite minimal in some sense that we'll say, I will just give you a set of questions yeah. which you can get really angry at each other about. Like, <laughs> shot put. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it, you know, and we know that there's a trivial, and it's great that it's, you know trivia and trivial is is a is a word that we can use quite synonymously. But mm-hmm. it's 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 great that it is trivia that we're using for this because we don't want anyone to be too serious about it. Mm-hmm. We want it to be something where they come along and enjoy the night, learn a bit more about their work colleague, or you know, we, we think it's great for a first date. That's one of the best things you can do with a quiz is is a first date. Um, and we've seen it happen. And we question see- number one: Do you want to marry me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can pick them out so quickly in a crowd now, like a yeah. first date, and it's like, oh yeah. Um, think just just zoning out a little bit on the topic of community mm. and the role that you guys played. Something you very humbly omitted from this whole conversation, and the way you've told that story so eloquently, um, is the recognition that you that you got for this. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Just just tell us what happened, what the result of your contribution during the pandemic was. So on the 1st of December, I released a video where I was pretending to be the Queen, um, saying that we were doing quizzes all through Christmas. So we, were gonna, we weren't stopping any of the quiz nights and we were just running the whole way through Christmas. So this was on, was this, 20, I just can't, actually can't think of the, the months, the year, 2020. Must have that? been the end of 2020. Yeah, it was, yeah. So 2020, the 1st of December, I, I released a video saying we're going through the whole way through December and doing every night. So we're doing Christmas Day and Boxing Day and New Year's Eve and everything. Um, and the 2nd of December, I got a letter from the Cabinet Office, um, which I, straight away I was like, there's some, there's some criminality to being <laughs> to impersonating the Queen. And I was like, oh no, like, this is an actual problem. Uh, and then I opened the attachment. It's a very brief letter. It's like, please open the attachment. Rah, rah, rah. Um, and the attachment was I'd been nominated for a British Empire medal. Um, so obviously the first thing I did was uh, phone my dad to be like, this is a hoax. <laughs> please tell me like what the actual deal with is here. Uh, phone my dad, went through and told Alice, phoned the cabinet office afterwards. And they, the first two questions that they all asked, because usually it's done by letter. Because of COVID, it was all done by uh, email. Um, 
the first thing they always get asked is, is this real? <laughs> and they were like, yes, this is real. And I was like, how could this be a hoax? Because <laughs> like, is someone just pranking whoever? And then uh, who nominated me? And I still don't know who nominated me for this. So um, I really would love to know because I'd love to thank them. Because yeah. um, it is really humbling. Um, it was effectively so I got nominated for the New Year's Honours list um, with, with a British Empire medal, a BEM. Um, and yeah, it, 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 um, I've since been awarded it. So I've got an actual medal, which is insane and it was for just for the listeners he is wearing it around his neck <laughs> on this uh on this tuesday afternoon in edinburgh it's um it's got my name engraved in the bottom of it <laughs> on the side of it it's like a coin um so it was for um services to to, to well charitable services over the, the coronavirus pandemic um and it, it effectively cited in the citation uh it was about community like about yeah. <laughs> about doing something for free um for for a lot of people um and it it was it was it was pretty it's, it's still surreal it's surreal to think about uh having a, a medal for doing something like that which at the end of the day it, you know we talk about that glimmer but i think that glimmer is a, you know we, and we've talked about fuel quite a lot that glimmer is fueled by love you know the love of whatever you're doing and i have a passion for doing something like this for for helping for wanting to do something for people and I think that's why that glimmer's boy didn't wasn't extinguished with what is effectively uh, a, an absolute ton of water on it, you know, with um, the uh, if that's the, the metaphor that we're going for, you know, with horrendous amounts of awful news of like pandemic and all the pubs closing and and really not having any idea of when it was going to go get, go again. I think that glimmer it's quite exciting to be given a, a medal for something that I am really passionate about. Um, I kind of do wish it was more for the whole team as well. And I do feel it is like a team thing because as much as it was me that drove that through, I still think the team worked so hard to, to get that to happen as well. Yeah. So for me, we, we went on a big night out and yeah. we had a big dinner. Not like you. <laughs> we had the medal ceremony at my parents' house in Dunbar, yeah. and, which was also really funny because the, the guy was like full dressed up to high hilt. Did you still is, think it was a joke when he turned up? There's still like there's still a part of me that I just think someone's going to come out and be like, "Nah, not real," because we're going to the garden party soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I uh, sadly the Queen's not making it, yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit. Um, but they did say because we get nominated to go to it, and they pick out from the list people who are interesting to go and speak to the royals. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm, I'm laughing because I almost, almost already know that I'll get picked out. You are officially interesting because your name's Wild Goose. And wild you're a quiz host. And as a quiz host, it's like why we looked at a list of people. See, the royals find it just as funny as I do. <laughs> yeah, they will as well. Like, I'm really sad. Like I don't get to meet some. Like I don't get to meet the Queen. And like you know, if Prince Philip was still around, he'd have said something wild and appropriate, and I'd have yeah. been like, "This is the best thing ever." Oh, <laughs> so good. Come along to a quiz, Prince. Yeah, I, so Prince. It's not that. It sounds Prince, like you're inviting the Prince, musician along. To yeah. Mr. Prince Philip, your highness? Yeah. Is that what we have to call you now? No, oh, no, I don't. I, I put it on my emails because whenever <laughs> I'm writing an invoice email to like chase an invoice, I always think it sounds better if it's coming from somebody who has a BM at the end of their name. Yeah. Because you can't really write back and be like, ignore it or whatever it is. <laughs> I'll get the queen on you if you don't pay me. Exactly, exactly. I'm allowed to do that. Beef eaters will come after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke, mate, it, it was a fitting milestone in, a, in an ongoing journey. Um, mm. And, you know, one that we were all so proud of you to to see that to see you recognize in that way and oh, and see your team recognize in that way um on the topic of team i, I don't mm. i don't want to miss this part of the conversation because you were the first one to come out and say 
this is a, a recognition of not me, but my team. Mm. Um, you were the first person to say that. You Did you feel responsible for their well-being during that period? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was, there was times that my hand was forced about how we had to, to do things. Um, there was times when I ran it on my own um, because we didn't have any other option. Um, and I would run the quizzes on the evening on my own. And uh, that was because of software or hardware or whatever. There was always something. But I was like, well, this has to carry on. And I'm the, the buck stops with me. But there was a team of people there who... Now, I, I think there was two aspects to it. There's always the aspect of people can see work as a bad thing. And we've always said at Goose's Quizzes, I want people to make sure they feel like they're doing something they love doing. And so what I really wanted to make sure was people were still loving doing what they were doing. And I think there was aspects of it that everyone really did enjoy. People liked being on the, the live stream. And people also enjoyed having something to do with their day. Mm-hmm. Because people who were furloughed, like Alice was furloughed for 10 weeks or something, quite a long time, and was just going out of her mind, bored at, at times. <laughs> she was just, like, completing all of Mario Kart, you know? And, and you know... I think a lot of the team enjoyed having things to be doing, getting on with. There was times when it was too busy, and there was times when they were too overworked, and I didn't like that. Um, it's actually probably been more since then. I think we all had a very clear, and like we've talked so many times in this already in this podcast, it was a very clear mission that we were doing. Um, you know, it was set out from that sixteenth of March two years ago to um, that we were doing something, and I think we all knew that at all points. Whereas now. As much as we're regrowing the business, that sort of mission is still there, but we're back to what we were doing before. And I think now everyone has sort of has this post. I mean, it's funny that I say I was I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, but it almost feels like everyone has this kind of after, like kind of almost war feeling. I mean, it's being framed in conversation that way. You know, yeah. There's a clear distinction pre-COVID, post-COVID. Yeah, that's yeah. the way people are talking about it naturally. Yeah, and I think it's so it, it's mentally affected the staff in a way that you know i think everyone has had to take a break at different points and and for me the best thing i can do or i can think of doing is a ask how everyone's getting on different times and if they're still happy and they're still enjoying their work and if there's parts of the work they want to change up or 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 do different things and a few people have changed what they're doing which is i'm really happy with and secondly just give people breaks because like proper paid breaks not not to you know money's not wonderful with a business at the moment but there's nothing i would do to like i would put all my savings in and everything to make sure my staff are are good because um you know as i said i think it was at the in the wedding speech or, or before that i can't i've said it before but you know i asked these people to come on some stupid ride with me like it's like telling them it's like i just fancy running a quiz business do you want to come and be a quiz host and then work for a quiz company and they've all said yes, and that's insane. Like <laughs> in my mind, that's really stupid. Um, not stupid of them to do it because I love that they're doing it, but like it's a stupid prospect. And but but the other side of that is it means I feel I have a lot more um, responsibility to make sure that they're doing well. You know, to make sure that, that it's a it's not something that's detrimental in their life. It's something they enjoy. And 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 actually, I love when I hear my staff talk to people about what they do, you know, and, and, and that they do like doing it. Um, you know, it's it's a fun thing to see. And now we're able to pick up, you know, part-time hosts again properly. So we've got about 15 part-time hosts and that's, that's it's really nice to see them loving doing it as well. Because mm. what we want, want to do is make sure that they're going to the pubs and enjoying hosting the quizzes. Yeah. 
as much as anything else. But for, for the full-time staff, it was definitely uh, rest has been the thing I think they've been needing and, and what I've been trying to make sure they get. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a whole other topic of conversation where you could have about, you know, how you, how you help support um, colleagues' mental well-being. We won't go into it today, but I've been lucky enough to meet some of those team members. And, you know, to me, at least, it was pretty plain to see that they were key ingredients in the relative success of Goose's quizzes mm. over that period. I mean, there's there's just no doubt that um, of the role they played. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Good fun to do a podcast with as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a good bunch. Um, Goose, it's been an incredible journey. It it's not over yet. I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of room to run for for you in the quiz world and Goose's quizzes. At least we all hope there is. Let's um, let's cap off the conversation. Just moving back into the sort of world of mental well being. Mm. Um. From a mental well-being perspective, what has the last two years taught you? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. It it's been it's 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 really nice having listened to the past podcasts and hearing everyone else speak, you know, about the experiences and and and, and how they um have got to the stage they are now. I think I think what it's taught me is that I, I have a finite amount of energy that um that I can't. I can't fix everything. I can't sit and just work hard enough to fix everything. And I can't do that alone. Um, and it's funny, we've just spoken about the team. And for me, the team is one of the most is integral to this whole process. It's, it's, it's not just that I like having people around me, which I do. And it's not just that I enjoy having a company that, you know, with, with people that I think are good people, which I also do enjoy, or I have talented people around me. Love that. But it's integral to the fact that it's, it's, you know, because I can't run a business on my own, can't run that whole thing myself. And I was well, I'm well aware of, I think, my, not just the fact that I have finite energy, but I have weaknesses, you know, the, the weaknesses are, are, are like okay to have. And it's also okay to then say to people, you're much better at this. Please help me with this. You know, please, can you take the responsibility of this thing off my hands and you, you go on with it? And the great thing about the team that I think we've got is that they, they do do that. But I think for me personally, it's saying for me to understand that there'll be weeks or days or hours, but often more more likely days, you know, where I just need to take a step back and say, I've run out of energy here. I've run out of ability to keep pushing um, and, and step back. Um, it's something that, like, and you know me well, and, and you know my family and it's it's we're not well versed in that you know we're not, i'm not well versed in taking a step back i want to keep on pushing keep on going but what this year has taught me is that i do have a finite amount of energy and if i keep on pushing harder and harder and harder all that's happening is i'm just wearing myself down you know like getting myself into a position where i'll, I'll only be worse in the future worse and worse it just gets worse so it's just trying to I think remind myself on a sort of regular basis that it's finite. You know, I can't just keep on pushing. So that's sort of in the long way round I've learned over that time is yeah. These lessons will live with you for the rest of your life. And you'll apply them knowingly or unknowingly to everything you do, I'm mm. sure. Um in terms of using those lessons to help others, if you if a, somebody, a friend, a family member, someone who you didn't even know that well came to you and confided in you, said they were struggling um mentally. What one piece of advice or guidance would you give them on how to enhance their mental well-being? I think it's share, share that, um, 
share the burden in however many ways you can. Um, you, you know, it's it sharing it in the sense of talking to people about it is so important. You know, I remember in the first days of the pandemic phoning, actually it phoned uh, Chiv from Chivarinos and uh, we had a chat and, you know, he was really worried about the business and what was going on and what we were going to do. Um, and we had a really good conversation just sort of saying, but we have to fight through this. Like we're fighting, like we're, we're pushing, you know, and it's, it's time to push. And I think even I was having a really bad day when I spoke to him and, and, and I think he was having not a great day either. But then it was that moment of like, no, actually, like we're going through a really similar thing here and everyone's going through the same thing. And I think especially someone like Chev, he can, he can look like a, a really like, you know, everything's going great. And it's like, you know, he's very good at that kind of, he's a louder than life guy, um, larger than life guy, sorry. <laughs> he, but it, having that quick conversation was enough just to be like, yeah, no, we're, we're both having hard times here. This is really tough, mm -hmm. but it's nice to know that it's like, so even just sharing to, to know that other people are going through something. Cause it's very easy with like Instagram or all these kind of things to think, Oh, everyone's doing really well. And, and actually just sharing a situation is, is such a big, big thing just to sort of be honest and say, finding it's quite tough. Like I'm having a tough time. Say it, you know, because there's not many people that won't turn around and try and actually like, understand give you the, the advice even if you don't want advice it's just to empathize and say i've been through a similar situation or help help validate your experiences and your feelings exactly exactly that so sharing is definitely the one that i would say you know whether and, and like and the, and the flip side of that is sharing in the sense of like if you've got too much in your plate yeah take something off that plate you know <laughs> like make sure there's there's someone else that's happy to help you out with it because um if there's not you know, you are just setting up to say this is going to happen again and yeah. again and again. So just it's it's worth making sure there are people around. So. Often, when someone confides in you, that is the key that you need to unlock your own words. Mm. Um, if you if there's something going on in your mind and you've not felt confident enough to talk to someone, but then someone comes and confides in you, that's often all you need to say. This is a safe space, and I can mm. tell someone else about what I'm experiencing, just like you did with Chiv. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter if it's pizzas or pub quizzes. It's you know. The, the the root of challenge is often exactly the same thing. Yeah, I don't even know if he would know that conversation had enough a big bigger impact on me. Mm -hmm. But I remember having a really yeah, like you know, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing that. But like, it, it, I don't think he will. Um, but yeah, it really had a big impact because yeah. it was it was like yeah, we have to push through this, you know. Oh, look, we'll tag him in the show and maybe we can all go and talk about this over some nice hot pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awesome, mate. Uh, as you as you know, as an avid listener, we we like to finish off the quiz with um, a question for you from last week's guest, mm. and that's from Cameron Murdoch. So I'll, I'll deliver that to you in a moment. And then, if you have one, uh, a question for next week's guest, which hopefully, as a professional question master, shouldn't be too much of a challenge for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, to Cameron's question from last week, so um, his topic last week was all about living legacy, and mm. that's what his question is for you. Um, what legacy do you want to leave when you die and how are you going to live it now? So yeah, legacy is a really interesting concept. I think the legacy I want to leave is as long as I've improved people's lives. There's a really interesting line from make tiny changes, you know, from, from, um, frightened rabbit from Scott Hutchinson's, you know, line in that song, make tiny changes on earth. I, I think that's, probably always resonated with me or has resonated with me since I heard the line um, because that's kind of where I'm at is, is that I, I don't mind if it's through quizzes which I know is a nonsense medium <laughs> like um, it, 
as long as people are hearing those questions and coming together, and if I've left a business behind, say, that keeps doing that, or even I've just helped more people do do that, then I'm quite happy. Like that's for me, I get to 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 live that legacy now because I get to do exactly what I want to be doing, which is make people's lives just that little bit happier by asking a few questions, getting them discussing, getting them chatting. You know, that's the that for me is is the real joy in in, in life for me. Beautiful. And do you have a question for our next guest? I do, I do. My question doesn't really, I suppose, link into anything that we've been talking about too much, apart from potentially... Um, no, I, you know, my, my question would be, is if, if you could cut one bad memory from your mind, would you do it? Mm, very philosophical. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting we spoke so much about that 16th of March. And interestingly, even still, like, talking about it today, I was I had tears in my eyes, like you know, it's really tough thinking about it. But there's for me, there's no there's no way I would cut that from my mind because it was it was a really important moment. Like it was a really important moment, even to know exactly how much I value this business more so than what the money says or whatever you know, staff or anything. I value what we do mm-hmm. because it, you know that's what was hitting me the hardest. So to not be doing that anymore was was always going to be the hardest thing. Yeah. Well, it's been an exceptional journey, mate, and you faced it with with grace and um, contribution, which we've we've explored has, has resulted in in some wonderful things for you personally and hopefully for your business in the long term. From a personal perspective, to be sitting within meters of where we had that moment two years ago, mm. um, and now to sit here and talk about the good, yeah, and and be able to reflect on it is is quite emotional for me, and I I can see throughout this conversation it's been emotional for you. So, mm. mate, thank you so much for sharing in such a beautiful way. Well, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a real pleasure. It's really like I, I can't say enough how important it is to to come and do things like this, or you know, to have a chance to sit and chat and talk through these things. I don't do it that often, and it is really a a, a pleasure to come and actually have a bit of chance to to talk through it all. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Well, here's to the next one, and thank you for being a man who. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Men Who Talk. We really hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did and can apply some of today's wisdom to your own mental well-being practices. For more information on this episode or our collective, head to the show notes or visit our website www.themenwho.com or head over to Instagram at themenwho underscore. If you've found value in what we've been sharing, feel free to rate and review our show as it really helps us spread the word and reach more listeners. For now, keep talking, stay well, And be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Men Who Talk.